how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 436, where I sat down with Julia Fabrice McBride, a leadership developer and the author of When Everyone Leads. She's the Chief Civic Leadership Development Officer of the Kansas Leadership Center. She's also a certified coach and the co-author of two books, When Everyone Leads and Teaching Leadership, Case in Point, Case Teaching and Coaching. In this interview, we talk about how theater helped her find her voice as a coach, the importance of soft skills in children, what true leadership is, and how we can make changes in our local communities. If it's your first time here, make sure to hit that subscribe button. I'm also giving away my first book, Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers, based on lessons from this podcast for free over at brockswinson.com. That's the book and audiobook. I have been writing certainly since high school. I My father was a journalist and uh, an editor at the Chicago Daily News, Chicago Sun-Times, the New York Post. So I kind of have a, a journalism background and I edited the high school paper. But I was, I think, always more interested in theater mm. and in kind of self-actualization and the ability for people to make an impact. I'm, I grew I graduated from high school in 1979. Mm -hmm. So I, and it's amazing how different it was for women in the seventies and like what it was to speak out as a woman. So in high school, I did a couple of one woman plays that I think particularly in retrospect, were about, they were about women who found their voice and they were also about me finding my voice. And then as I went to acting school and came to went to Chicago then and, and started acting in off-loop theater in Chicago, I was part of theater companies that were kind of being created from the ground up and one thing I did was write a one-woman play about Amelia Earhart hmm. that was all Amelia's words pulled from her books and pulled from, from journalism, from, from newspaper articles of the time. And I, I can still remember women, women must do the things that men have tried. And if they fail, their failure must be a challenge to others. And that was that was... Amelia Earhart, but I think it was also me coaching me. Mm. And then as an actor in Chicago in my 20s and 30s and into my 40s, I was always part of devising plays and creating plays and writing plays. And some of the, a, a bunch of them were as part of a theater company called About Face Theater that had a youth program for LGBTQ plus 14 to 20 year olds and their allies. Mm -hmm. And 
what we didn't did in that program was listen to stories, have the young people tell their stories. And then the adult theater artists would write, would work with the youth to write scenes and then put them on stage. And that was a really empowering project for everybody involved Mm-hmm. And do you know the storytelling was empowering the getting the the young people getting up on stage and talking about doing scenes about who they are and how they feel and having their parents and other members of the community be in the audience was was huge and I think really contributed to to changes in laws and in norms and in worldviews certainly in Chicago, in the city of Chicago. And for me, right about that time, I was I was transitioning from mostly performing to mostly being a coach and a leadership developer. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot that's similar about finding your voice on stage and finding your voice in a coaching relationship in a in a executive coaching or a life coaching or a leadership coaching relationship i'm there as the coach to help another person find their voice and decide how they're going to turn what they're feeling or aspiring to into action you know often to make either to make their own lives better but more and more in my work to to make the community better through their work in nonprofits or other kinds of you know other places in civic life. So when I got to the Kansas Leadership Center then and I started working with KLC in 2008-2009 and developed the coaching program here and wrote about the coaching program here trying to provide people materials to be more effective leadership coaches to people who want to make a difference in the world and then you know kind of culminating in this book when everyone leads that's about how people wherever you are in your organization your community your company your family how you can exercise leadership to make things better there's a lot to unpack there yeah Um, i I want to kind of go back to one of the first things you said um So you mentioned how much it's changed for women. I mean, that's like spanning across 50 years now. There's a lot of positive change. I feel like there's a lot of people encouraging others to tell their own story today. Mm-hmm. What are where are some areas where you think it's still kind of lacking, most specifically for women? Hmm. I think there's a lot of people, men and women, who think leadership isn't for me mm-hmm. because I don't have that title or I have to wait for somebody above me or more experienced than me or with more education than me to speak up and tell us where we're going instead of me, instead of feeling responsible for saying, here's what I want to make better. And now what can I do about it? So there's a lot of people and maybe maybe more women than men 
waiting for permission. Do you think, I don't want to go down a wrong trail here and we can, we can cut this if I'm wrong. Yeah. Do you think any of that comes from the school system? Some, some of the criticism today is that we kind of built an industrial age school system. Where do you think, or is it just a personal confidence or what are some of your thoughts on that? Well, I, th- yes, I, I, I don't know if I'm equipped to say it's the school system because I think there are probably systems that are doing it right. But I do think that, that if we taught kids how to, how to actively listen Mm -hmm. really, really early, like if we just went right at that, if we ask, if we taught kids how to ask empathetic, open-ended questions Mm -hmm. really, really early on, curious questions. Like if we really taught kids from kindergarten how to ask a question that's not a yes or no question, what you're then developing is critical thinking skills and the ability, just the the technical ability Mm. to listen and say, I, you sound sad. Mm. So, so that we, then that's the beginning of leadership is to ask curious questions and to be able to listen so that another person knows both that their words are heard and that their feelings are seen mm-hmm. or experienced. So I think we have gotten away from that. I mean, I have a 15-year-old son, and I think I see a lot of stress over things like math skills that he will forget and probably never use, and, and probably just not enough around how do we listen and stay curious, and then how do we how do we set kids up? to make multiple interpretations about what's going on in the situation. I think I've heard these maybe called soft skills recently. A lot of people mm-hmm. think of leaders as the, maybe an extrovert general or commander on a battlefield type thing, but there's also like Susan Cain works, a lot of quiet leadership roles. Yeah. And can you kind of expand on that for those that leadership doesn't have to be this gigantic thing and just be kind of like putting a voice out there. Yeah. we th- And not only, putting your own voice out there, but allowing another person's voice to be heard. Mm. I mean, leadership is an activity, not a position. It's intervening in some way to move a challenge forward. And the challenge might be creating a safe culture at the high school. Mm-hmm. What can any kid do to try to learn a little bit more about what's making some other kids feel unsafe in their high school. Anybody can do that. You don't have to wait for permission and you don't have to wait until your senior class president or a teacher or the principal or the superintendent. We need everyone if we're going to make our, just to use that example, our schools safer and more conducive to learning for everyone. Tell me a little bit, you've already touched on a few things, but tell me a little bit about the title. It's uh, When Everyone Leads and kind of the subtitle, 
the toughest challenges get seen and solved. Can you tell me a little bit about where that came from? Expand upon that. Yeah, we uh, the Kansas Leadership Center was founded in 2007, and it was founded by a, a, a the Kansas Health Kansas Health Foundation, which uh, gives a lot of money to improve the health, very broadly speaking, of all Kansans. So personal health, you know, holistically and civically. And they found that their dollars went further when there were more people in a community who could exercise leadership. And they decided they wanted to invest heavily and over the long term in a statewide leadership center. That's the Kansas Leadership Center. And we're now global. We have partners around the world and across the country, as well as here in the state of Kansas. And we started out, we didn't start out delivering leadership programs. We started out asking questions. And the questions were of people in Kansas, of people beyond the state, of leadership experts and uh, politicians, people in leadership, um, in what in traditional leadership positions, what we, what we would call positions of authority. We asked, when you think about the future of your community, what concerns you the most? And what are your aspirations? And out of that was identified a gap, which we write about in the book. And, and then we asked, what makes progress and leadership so difficult in that gap between your concerns and the aspirations you have for your community and the people you love. And the answers to that third question, what makes progress so difficult, are, are there's there are people in the gap and progress requires progress involves loss and progress requires people to navigate competing values and progress takes people, you know, stepping out of the status quo and taking some risks. And those were all characteristics of uh, uh, similar characteristics of tough challenges. So the tough challenge might be, we want to improve education or we want an immigration policy that works, or we want our economy in, I'm, I'm talking to you from Wichita, Kansas, we want the Wichita economy to be, to thrive, and we want people to feel included. So all of those different challenges, like they're different, the outcomes may be different, and the people who care about immigration versus the economy versus education might be slightly different. But the things that get in the way of real progress on any of those topics are very similar. Mm. And, you know, it's about loss and change and needing to bring in diverse voices. And, the, and so the book is about how if we're going to navigate those barriers, we need way more people thinking, I have a piece of this, I have a responsibility, and I have an agency to be able to exercise leadership to move this forward. 
It, it's so difficult. It's like I'm, I'm in marketing full time as well. It's so difficult mm -hmm. for people to see long term. They want quick fixes and overnight yeah. success. Do you, where do you, how do you begin to, to do some of this? Is it through storytelling? Like, where do you even start to have a conversation like this? Yeah, we typically begin by asking questions and we begin by getting, I mean, if we're, say we're working with, say we're working on the topic of uh, mental and behavioral health in a region of the state, we start talking to people, in, you know, who are, who's, who have all kinds of different stakes in that challenge and asking them about their aspirations mm -hmm. and asking them about their concerns and, and asking them what kind of leadership is it going to take to make progress on this? And you'll get different answers depending on if you're talking to a doctor or a small town mayor or uh, somebody who's using the services of a behavioral health agency. But you'll start to get, you'll, you'll, they'll, they'll start to see themselves in it. And they'll start to see that everybody has a piece mm -hmm. and, and kind of in that, like, oh, I don't have to do it all. Mm -hmm. I just have to do something. And I just have to keep talking to these other people. So I, th I think in a lot of ways, you're making me think about this, <laughs> Brock, that I, I think a lot of ways what we do is we get people talking to each other and the problems start to seem like, and we acknowledge the complexity. Mm -hmm. They start, they start to, they acknowledge the complexity and they start to see ways in and, and feel the sense of shared purpose. It seems like they'd need eventually some point. Like I think of JFK saying, we're going to put a man on the moon yeah. before 1969. Yeah. Well, everyone, as complicated as that is, everyone knows that North star and where they're going, you know, and they can kind of fill in the pieces that way. Yeah. And it does become often the role of somebody in authority to say, we are going to do this by then. Yeah. And, you know, and hopefully other people are saying, you know, that person, whoever that is, has people around them saying, hey, you know, we should, we, we probably need to do this by then. And, and, and we develop, and then a, a, a collective purpose develops and people start talking about whatever that moonshot is. Mm. Let's go a little bit. You've already touched on some of this. So it says part three, start with you. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's maybe a good place for an individual listener to this yeah. episode to start with. Um, where can they start? Can they ask themselves their own questions? Are there certain questions you typically ask to kind of help reevaluate situations? Yeah. First of all, start with your leadership challenge. So have a sense of what you care about enough to do something different. Mm. So for me right now, I care an awful lot about keeping, I live in a small community called Matfield Green. It's uh, got 50 people in it and about a hundred in the township. And I care an awful lot about making, helping that, keeping that community on the map. 
-hmm. We have a city council and we have artist studios and I do things every day that are a little bit outside my comfort zone or outside of, you know, my, my job, certainly my job description here to, to keep that community on the map. So decide what it is you care about enough to go out of your way. Mm -hmm. I mean, women's stuff is still, women's agency is still a challenge for me. So I'm going to stretch myself and do things that are uncomfortable. So then put yourself in places where people are talking about that challenge Mm -hmm. and ask curious questions meaning ask questions you don't know the answer to and pose questions that you think maybe nobody has considered before Hmm. and partner them with silence. That's a good, yeah. Whenever I'm talking to someone and I just leave a little bit more space, they'll they'll usually give me a a more fulfilled answer, I think. Um, Tell me a little about, so with something like this, we're not talking about weeks or months, we're possibly talking about years or decades for some of yeah. these changes. How, do you have any advice on persistence? Where can people find that, that dig deep, I guess? Yeah, I think, I mean, counterintuitively, you find it by, by resting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do take vacation and do give yourself a couple of weekends a month where you don't, you know, not only do you not think about your job, Mm -hmm. but maybe you don't think about the thing you care about most in your community. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the other part is see yourself as part of a movement. So I talked a little bit about what a challenge is in my personal life. In my professional life, the challenge at the center for me is creating a civic culture, particularly in the state of Kansas, but I want to inspire it beyond here, Mm -hmm. where people can solve their most pressing problems and thrive. Now, I can't do that alone. I recognize that I can't do that alone. So... Talk about what your mission is or what your what your organization's mission is. Talk about it in your own words and listen for how other people and ask other people what they think about it and allow yourself the gift of hearing how other people are trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So short answer there is, Find people who care as much as you do and spend time with those people. So you mentioned a lot of different points of collaboration. You're actually a co-author on this with Ed O'Malley. What are some of the logistics? I imagine you guys have a lot of conversation. And Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the other logistics of the the writing partnership for you guys? Yeah. I mean, some of this is we've worked together since 2009. Mm -hmm. So there's been a lot of times where we've taught together or we've gone to Australia to do a a week of speaking and teaching. So there was a lot even going into the writing of the book that was, you know, that was already there. And we knew we, we had conversations about what is it that we haven't really put into writing well yet? Because Ed and I had each written other books. And um 
And so it was, it was coming like, what is, what are the things that we haven't put, put in writing yet? And that became really the five sections of this book. And, and then we also had a third partner named Todd Satterston, who's, who was our publisher at Bard Press, who is our publisher at Bard Press. And Todd was great, but Todd spent four days with us at the beginning of the writing process to coach us to develop an outline. Hmm. And, and then we, we had our outline and we actually had our title and pretty much what was going to be written on the back on the book jacket. So, so Todd with his experience in publishing kind of kept insisting that we could get to this outline and we could get to these three paragraphs that we're going to tell that we're going to be the main thesis of the book. And then Ed and I committed to four days a week, three hours a day. And we were in our, um, in our own houses about a, a block away from each other, but from eight to 11, those four or five days a week, we were writing. Mm -hmm. And often it was, he would write a chapter and I would write a chapter and then we'd switch mm -hmm. and edit those chapters. And, and it, there was, it was some of the funnest part was like when I would know I was over way over writing, but I knew I could trust Ed to right. cut out the stuff that we didn't need. Yeah. And, and his, he often would underwrite, he would just put a few bullet points and then I'd fill them in. Mm -hmm. And usually then they'd go back to Ed to cut and kind of make it, make it sing in, in, in kind of, uh, Ed is very good at making the writing accessible and pithy. <laughs> and I'm, I have a lot more experience in the classroom and in consultation with people who are working to address tough challenges and um, build leadership capacity in their organization. So I have a ton of examples to bring to the party. Thank you for your time. We're almost out of time today. Um, are there any other just like small takeaways someone listening can uh, maybe start to influence themselves to be a better leader in addition to asking questions, which you mentioned? Yeah, I would say um, start with that challenge and then act experimentally. Hmm. I mean, just try something and not to succeed or fail. Try and see what you learn and then go talk to somebody about what you learned. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. 
If it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.